Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. It is, of course, a Tuesday, whether morning, evening, or night, or afternoon when you're listening to this. It is Tuesday, because we always upload on Tuesday. The reason I'm hyping this Tuesday, because next Tuesday... Some things are happening in between. Uh, Firstly, let me introduce my guest so you're waiting around for the things that are happening. Uh, James is back after a lovely vacation to Budapest with the lads. How was it, brother? It was very good. Yeah, yeah. I went to to a Ferencváros game. Um, It was, unfortunately, a League Cup game, but um, the ultras still turned out in force. So I was basically rocked up, said, where's the cheapest ticket? They said, in the ultras section. And I said, well, can we sit there? And they went, yeah, as long as you make some noises, as long as you make a racket. So I went, yeah, of course I can. Um, why, why are these Hungarians British? As long as you make a racket, lad. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was sick. Um, and some crazy, crazy Hungarian man was like grabbing me for the goal and then trying to explain the offside rule on um, like on the concrete, on the floor. It was, it was really weird. Um, but the game ended up being 4-3 to um, Ferenc Varos. And um, there are genuinely, there was a last minute winner from a penalty and there was about seven or eight VAR calls. Um, so it ended up lasting like three hours. I was absolutely knackered by the end of it. It was, it was, it was good fun. And yeah, I want some more European experiences. And what's the um, English name for him? It's Red Star, no? No, 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 no. It's Ferenc Varos. Oh, my bad. <laughs> the biggest team in Hungary, you, you'd barely know, but they've been knocking about the Europa League, that conference league. And I think they're in the Champions League a few seasons ago. But yeah, they're not, yeah. They're not that good. I thought you were saying that other team, what are they call it is Red Star, isn't it? It's Svervena Zvezda or something. Oi, oi. That's, yeah. no, bro, that's, that's not their name. He, he, just, he just said no, he a random said, word. That was so, this, is, this is the Europa League knowledge. This is what, <laughs> this what happens when you're five years in the Europa League. That's how you know these teams. <laughs> um, the person you can hear is the man championing Europa League and Bangladesh. Raf, how are you, brother? I am perfect. Bangladesh just won uh, under very weird circumstances, shall I say, but... We take those, and that's why I'm happy to be here as well. For for those that are thinking, yo, Bangladesh have a football team. We're talking no, about cricket. It's the cricket World Cup. But <laughs> we did qualify for the qualifiers of the World Cup, so it's a, it's a massive thing for us. Yeah, qualified so, for the qualifiers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So now we get to you know get play teams like Australia. Probably get battered by them, but you know, good to be there. Good to be there. Because I think the qualification of the qualification yeah. is like, isn't it like Bangladesh against like uh, Taiwan, Taiwan, and those uh, guys? Bhutan, Nepal, Pakistan, all these kind of teams? Because uh, we're just not good enough to even make the qualifiers. So yeah, big man, Pakistan only just scored their first ever goal <laughs> in qualification. Really? So yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, qualification. Hey, the hype for that goal, bro. I've never celebrated anything like it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't even watch the games because there's no such place to stream them. Um, Hamza is sitting very yeah. quietly. Hamza, how are you? Bro? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Not bad. Absolutely doing well. Hamza, have you got a cricket team out of interest? Cricket team? I used to think South Africa, but they played India yesterday and India thrashed them, is it? They got thrashed. smoked, bro. I was kind of hoping you were going to sing Deal Deal Pakistan, but you didn't. Yeah. So I'm good. <laughs> Pakistan used to be back <laughs> in the days in, I think, 98, when they had that, the yeah. bowler. What was the bowler's name? I forgot. Oh, my God. I can't forget. Gosh. Shwai Bakhtar. Shwai Bakhtar. Shwai Bakhtar. Yeah. Bro, that's um, your goal. By the way, How do you not know I'm that? I'm so lost. I am I'm so lost. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, bro. He was our guy, man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, for those listening, of course, it's not a cricket podcast. However, no ratings cricket. We have been considering it for a while, a long while. Same and I had no idea time. that, listen, Raf's got knowledge. Hamza can sprinkle of it. James. Hey, you saw my, you saw my ability. When we're talking about knowledge, Raf... Ruff put himself in front of the stumps and got a big zero for 60. So uh, I was. Yeah, but bro, let's just clarify. This is a podcast. You can't play cricket on a podcast. Yeah, but who's my. Af- Afraidi. He's my favorite bowler. He's the guy. Shaheen, yeah. Shaheen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shaheen. Yeah. He's the. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, we're here to talk about football. Uh, for those that are listening, thank you for tuning in as always. Uh, just a very quick note I've been saving this to tell you this now. Um, the reason I was hyping next Tuesday is because from this Thursday, so the 9th of November through to the 14th of November, go to Glasgow, go to Cardiff, go to London and find the biggest billboard available and you will find no ratings on there via Spotify. Crazy. So shout out Spotify. It's, it's, it is nuts. We're all going to be meeting up. Um, yeah, Raf, thank you. Thank you. Um <laughs> Hamza, you're going to be around the corner from me that this weekend coming. So I expect I'm going to pick you up on the way. I'm picking up everyone on the way. I'm taking a mini man and just going, anyone jumping on? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, go go and find it. Take a picture. Tweet us at No Rating Spot or uh, on Instagram at No Rating Spot or even TikTok at No Rating Spot. Uh, and we'll share everything we see to the football. And uh, we're throwing it back with an icebreaker because we did this last week. We, and I thought, we, we, why did we throwing it back? So, I didn't grow up. <laughs> Goes to Budapest for two days. 20, Jesus, twenty-four Christ. years old. I'm still talking like this. All right, carry on. Jesus, one Hungarian mum put you in a headlock. Look what's happened to you, this guy. Um, to the icebreaker. Um, Darwin Nunez was uh, talk of the town again this weekend because he missed a sitter against Luton. I think he had did he have nine shots and a zero point nine xg. Um, so people were going, oh, this guy's the most chaotic footballer, as we already know. Uh, but who would you say is the most chaotic stroke unorthodox footballer that you can sort of recall? Or even if they've just had like an unorthodox career path, like Bojan, for example, has had a very unorthodox career path. And we will talk Darwin once we get a few answers in. We'll let Raf go first because he's, he's got his answer prepared. Oh, yeah. So, okay. My one is uh, the guy that we all grew up watching, uh, Balotelli, or I grew up watching. I say that. That was... Balotelli, um, he had the raw ability to be one of the best strikers in the world. I think, you know, I was going to say another name. Oh, who was I going to say? So you said Balotelli. I tell you two names I had. One, I said Rubinho. A reason why I say Rubinho is when he was back at Santos, he was upcoming to be the next big thing, him or the... Who's that midfielder went to Wolfsburg? I forgot. I forgot his name. The Wolfsburg. Not... Diego, him and Diego, the next big thing in football. He went to Madrid and then he had the talent to continue excelling at the top level. And after he came to City, he had one season and just finished. Another player, Pato. Pato was supposed to be mm. in football, man. Like he was <sighs> like everyone was scared when he made that run at Barcelona and you come. You know, everyone thought, oh my Hamza, god. I love I love this trip down memory lane, but these aren't the most chaotic players you could I know, think I of. Bro. Chaotic, like, in terms of the name that he's supposed <laughs> to be. Like when when you he, he went to Chelsea, Dean Bang, he did he tried it in Milan and and I think I'll I'd say Pato or Rubinho, because Rubinho's another guy. 
To be fair, Rubinho, isn't he going to prison? Yeah, I heard something. I swear that's the latest uh, I read on it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's gone prison, yeah. Hey, if prison. we're talking, <laughs> so we're talking about footballers with allegations in prison behind them, hey, there's a long list. We'll be here mm. for a while. But I want to, you know how I want to throw my, their name into the hat? David Luiz. Just because from an Arsenal perspective, <laughs> you mm. one get like in the FA Cup finally drops a basically a 10 out of 10. He was unbelievable against City. And then like the next, the next game, he'll just get sent off. And... He did improve under Arteta, and Arteta learned to protect him a little bit. But you just never knew what you were going to get from him. Like Brazil, Brazil will lose seven-one, and then the next game he'll bang in a free kick from forty yards with like this knuckleball technique. Just a crazy footballer. And I don't think I don't think anyone. I don't think you'll find a centre back as chaotic as him, apart from maybe Pepe. Pepe was a nut job as well. If we, but Pepe was actually really, really, really good. Hmm. Yeah, but he still booted people. He still stamped on people's heads <laughs> and stuff. So if we, it depends on how we're defining chaotic. But yeah, um, you, you, there's a spectrum from Mustafi to Pepe in terms of good chaotic <laughs> and bad chaotic. I think the way Arsenal have is in chaotic centre back, City have chaotic <laughs> forwards. <laughs> um. I had I've, I basically googled it and it came basically Google comes up with like Dennis Wise Thomas basically like full on horrible footballers to play against. yeah yeah like, Vinnie Jones is number one on this oh, list okay. Duncan Ferguson and Eric Cantona Cantona is a good shout back Cantona yeah and he's got the famous speech he, I don't think he's any less chaotic in his like post footballing arc um you know who else I think is very chaotic. Doesn't play right now. I think he's retired. Yeah, he did retire. It's Latan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, oh, I think like he some of the stuff he did. I don't like Latan Ibrahimovic. I want to go out. I want to say that I think he's a child. Good footballer. Don't get me wrong. Never won a Champions League. I think, but I also just I think, think he's a baby. Like why? I think you... he's one of the footballers you like when you're like 13 years. Yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a grown man, he like calling himself yeah. a lion and saying, "I am Zlatan, I am God." Throw up, man! Like, I don't care. <laughs> Ronaldo's bad enough when it comes to those sort of things, but Ibra just getting a bin. Yeah, he's built a brown on it though. I yeah, think true. he's, yeah, he's very, he's true, very yeah. arrogant. Like he, he's very arrogant in terms of like he believes. Man, you think he's so, you're so egocentric, like so much. He believes he comes down hard on Pep Guardiola and how he spoke to Pep Guardiola. Never, he talks about in his interview about how Pep was scared of him and Pep couldn't look him to the eye. And I'm thinking, oh my God, these guys are the greatest coach you've ever seen. And you should not be talking down to this guy. It's not, it's not even the arrogance for me that it's just cringe. Like when yeah. he's saying, like, yeah, I am, he's... I am Zlatan, I am the lion. It's just like, I, I, I don't care. There are footballers who think they're the but... bee's knees. And I think, fair enough, sometimes. You, to be the best, you have to think you are the best. But then Zlatan is just like, all right, roar at me. One thing I would say is, though, some of the stuff he's done, like the overhead kick against England, immediately springs to mind. When he came to England for United, he did actually do quite well for a team that was knackered. He actually, for a lot of the time, has backed it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't doubt that. He's not the best footballer ever. I don't even think he thinks he's the best. Actually, he probably does think he's the best footballer ever. But... In terms of like him saying I'm the lion, like it, he actually does deal with pressure better than most footballers. True, true. That goal, I I do persist. That goal against England is probably the greatest goal I've ever seen. Genuinely, like, nah, I think that's a proper overrated goal. I've said it many times. Nah, overhead kick. It's just an overhead kick. Just an overhead From kick. From the halfway when, line, when the ball is also so high in the air, he couldn't wait for it to drop. He had to get it there. From the halfway line, Rafa, we watching the same game. It's about 35 yards. 
No, Hamza, it's not halfway line. Ah, uh, you know, close. It was clo- it's closest to halfway line than it was to the goal. <laughs> uh, listen, yeah. I, I'm just going, you've got power in your legs, you're a professional footballer, the net's open. I think it's a really good goal. I think people will say it's like the best goal they've ever seen. What is then? What is? All right, if we're on that topic, first, first goal that comes to your mind, the greatest goal, because it is interesting that no goal stands out, but yeah, I'd, let, I'd allow a messy goal, but go on, give me, hit me. Uh, oh, good question. The greatest goal. Um, guy thinks he's the host. Yeah, the greatest goal. Maradona. Like when when people say it, even if you've never witnessed it, they just look at that Maradona eighty six goal. Like when you tap the How greatest old goal. You, Hamza? The defending was soft. The def- Yeah, Hamza, I need to check your passport. Nah, I was sliding past everyone, left, right, jump. The way he goes round nah, the keeper, it. it's a mockery, and he scores. In a in a World Cup. Yeah, to be fair, to, to do that in a World Cup is true. Against England. You know, yeah. actually, you know, I've just I've just yeah. landed some uh, overhead kicks. Bale's overhead kick against Liverpool in the Champions League final was nuts. Mm. Con- the- if you include the context, but I think because you're a Liverpool fan, yeah, you're yeah. Like- <laughs> I, bro, I was at the game and oh, I really? witnessed it live, and the odds on him scoring an overhead kick because of the way the situation had happened, because of the way the game was going. So, I, in terms of like goals of experience. Uh, that and also Salah's goal against uh, Man City, goals of experience, not the best goals I'm saying. But when I've been in the stadium, when Salah took on, like put Laporte and Bernardo Silva oh, on their backside, the two that goal was, yeah, that goal no, was crazy. Yeah. yeah. All right, go on. The, you, you two then, what are the best goals you've ever experienced then? Because I think yeah, this, is inter- the this is an interesting post. topic. <laughs> Hit me. Be- best goal that I've ever experienced. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm still young, so I probably have to go for Reese Nelson last season. What about Dennis Bergkamp, man? Mm-hmm. Against Newcastle. You didn't see that. We're not all 40 like you, Hamza. <laughs> no, we're staying <laughs> in the stadium. Yeah, no, man. Hamza, we're staying, in, we're staying in the stadium. In the stadium? Oh, no. Nah, no, I've seen live, yeah? I think Ro- yeah. Bayern Rodri. That one. Rodri when he's... Oh, yeah, that, oh, one that was cold. Yeah, I'll give you that. Oh, I, I, I know. Raining heavy, um, man. I went to... Yeah, I, I actually have one. Uh, Damsgaard's free kick versus England in the in the oh, Euro oh. semi final because I went to that match. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I guess I'll go for that. I I actually forgot about that whole mm. whole scenario. Where is Damsgaard? He is at Brentford. Yeah, I know. I know actually where he is. I just mean like what? where is he? You know, like when you go, <laughs> where is he? Um, not like where That's is he actually? Point. Um, anyway. Uh, aside from chaotic, that started as chaotic unorthodox footballers when we talk about yeah. Darwin Nunez. Um, I was having a debate with Glenn Murray actually early this morning about as you do. him saying as that. You that. Do. <laughs> hey, listen, strikers got to talk to strikers, you know. <laughs> and I'm not even a striker. Um, he was saying that Darwin Nunez's chance um, was a re- like it was a really easy chance, but because it was uh, he had too much time to think about it, it was a really easy chance. I actually went on the contrary and said he had no time to think about it, which is why. The theory that Darwin Nunez is better when he's got no time to think about things, I think is incorrect all the same. But are we on the side of Darwin's a good footballer waiting to get better? Are we saying like, a lot of people are saying like, this is just him and get used to it. Yeah, I I think this is just him and get used to it. But I still think he's a good footballer. Um, The amount of shots and chances he creates for himself mean that he will score goals. And um, had it not been for a freak incident yesterday, he would have bagged um, and basically got the winner because I think that would have put you one up. Um, yeah. So, 
yeah, he's a good footballer, but I, he's never going to be Haaland in terms of finishing. I think people love this idea that players will get better at finishing, but we've seen with a player like Gabriel Jesus, some players are just naturally more emotional finishers. And I don't think it's very easy to change that, especially he's what, is he 22 now? Yeah. So, yeah, I think by that point, if you're not a natural finisher, I don't think you ever will be. He's a great ball striker, um, so he does have that going for him. But I think it's it's more psychological. I think he's just quite erratic in front of goal. He's actually 24. 24. That's what I thought. Oh, there I was we go. What is 22? It's two years. I think he's he's very rash. He's a good striker. He, he's got the heart. He chases the ball. He's hungry. But I think he puts too much effort sometimes. You know... When you're in front of goals, there's some players that just they glide, they just pass it. It's sublime in front of goal. Mm. You can see them like they, they they don't need to panic. And I think to him, I'll give you an example. He goes around the keeper against ball to lose. He goes around the keeper, empty net, and that's a perfect chance. Like like you have to score there, and he hits him, he hits mm. post, and you can see him when the guy even scores it. He's on the floor, looking to the sky. He's thinking, "Oh my God, I'm gonna get slaughtered again today for that miss." <laughs> and I think it's getting too much to him because you can imagine the pedestal that they gave him was so much high pressure. They didn't let him develop because of the price tag they came with, I think. And I think the more he misses, the more it's going to be frustrating because he can score against Newcastle. But if he misses those kind of chances that might cost Liverpool the league title, they might come back to this and say, he cost us this league because those kind of thing. And I think... Liverpool fans are putting him under pressure now. They're trying to defend him, but he's very rash. And, and you can see in front of goal, there's some players that are just smooth. They're there. You Thierry see the Thierry Henry is the perfect example where he's so instinctual in his finishing. The ball will pop up and he knows exactly how to, to smash it. Whereas some players, like even really, really top Premier League finishers like Aguero, I don't. a lot of his finishing was just because he could hit the ball hard and true. Whereas yeah. Henri, I think, would always know the perfect finish, whatever the situation. Son's another a good example. Yeah. You know? Son's a very, very clinical finisher and he's got loads of variations in two, his finishing. Two-footed players typically um, are. True. I, I, think um, the, I think I, the thing with Darwin is that when he gets a chance, I, I don't think he ever knows where he's actually going to put the ball. Mm. Like I think strikers in, instinctually they already know where the ball is going to go. Like they've already decided even before the chances come to them. This angle, I'm shooting this mm. way. But I feel like Darwin is always in two mm. minds when he gets to that position. Like, do I go this way? This way? like for strikers when they get to a certain positions, it's only one option. That the finish is only one option. Whereas I think Darwin. You can't obviously see it, but what I feel like he just hesitates a lot and then he like ends up putting like a pot shot, doesn't it? Yeah, like, which I, I disagree with Nubade. I think the the more instinctual something is for him, the better yeah. he is, which is why that goal yeah. midweek was unbelievable, because he didn't really have time to think about the chance. He just thought, right, I'm gonna go towards goal and smash it. Whereas the chance he did that loads, he did that loads again. Yeah, I know that's why he, he kept coming and going. I will recreate. I will recreate, and it just wasn't happening. Um, the one thing about him is, though, to be fair, I've just looked, whipped up his stats from this season, uh, league and Europa League, uh, thirteen games and ten goal yeah. contributions. So he'll keep contributing because he's such a high volume creator, and he's have, always have you right met places. him? Did you meet him on the shoot? Uh, yeah, we did a shoot what together. Was he like? Um uh really really lovely kid he doesn't speak great english though so i learned some spanish for the shoot and they also had a translator and we had McAllister. 
but you can definitely see that like he's still not at home here and I think that's a massive mm. contributing factor for a lot of players that come to this country he's like his life is being Uruguayan in Portugal he's never even thought I don't think about coming to England and speaking English and having to build a new ca- uh, culture um something that I, I was told on a separate shoot when I when I was with another player um who's Portuguese he was saying a lot of players that are born in Portugal or a lot of players that come from Portugal they're very very homely and when they leave they're very homesick for the first few first period or they hit the ground running because they just want to get on with it and get out and um, I think Darwin's on the side of he's probably missing home a lot he's trying very hard to learn English but there's a lot of even when we were sat on set there was a lot of like I'll speak to him and he looks to McAllister for help Mm -hmm. rather you know sometimes someone looks for translation Mm -hmm. he was looking for like a genuine like I don't know what this fella is saying to me. Please, can you just bail me out by saying something? So it was a, a lot of that. Um, but he's super competitive. Like we were playing a game of FIFA and before I did like a TikTok challenge and he's super competitive. And you can tell when he's around, he was around McAllister and his translator. When the three of them were together, he was a completely different person, like really funny, laughing constantly. You could tell when a lot of English people were around him, the room feels much smaller for him, but Generally speaking, actually a very, very, very spot on and lovely guy. Um, legend. Uh, so Bosch lies up. He's uh, like, won't go on about it too much, but just in the shoot alone, the amount of confidence this kid has for someone who's just landed in the country. Mm. Um, there's some people you meet who just exuberate confidence. He is exactly it helps, that. It right? helps when you look like he does as well. Yeah, obviously. He's a, he's a good looking guy and he's a great footballer, but uh, I've met a lot of footballers when they've just come to the country and they're very different like a lot of them tend to be quite shy and I guess because he speaks good English that always helps um but there's certain things he was just doing on set and I was just going like like the kid fully knows what he's about and people and he wants people to know what he's about as well um anyway less of my life stories uh let's get back to Premier League talk uh refereeing decisions we don't we tend not to talk about these too much <laughs> I'll let you start, Raf. Why are you waiting for me? What What are you thinking? Uh, I'm just tired of it. I'm just sick and tired of it. And you know, Hamza, Hamza, bad guy. Hamza's grinning ear to ear. <laughs> uh, for me, it's just when I see these bad decisions happen week in week out. At one point, you just can't be asked anymore. Like, I, I don't bother tweeting about it. I don't bother speaking about it because it's just like it's obvious that like. They're not really, you know, trying to fix it or like, you know, I, it's just the whole thing is just tiring for me. And I've just accepted this part of the game now. And you've just, you've just made him depressed in like one minute. All of a sudden, I'm so I'm sorry. Lost, I can't take you anymore. <laughs> yeah, you've lost me. They, yeah, the PGRML, MOL, they've lost me. They've broken me. They've defeated me. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I I do apologise for making you feel so bad, completely out of uh, unintentionally. Um, before I ask you, James, let's get a non-Arsenal perspective on this. Hamza, you're more neutral than I in this case, I think. Um, what were your thoughts on the situation? I thought, like the Newcastle goal. I think it's, uh, I don't know. I th- I think it was fair because I think the ball. I think, this guy neutral. He hates Arsenal. No, it's been approved like that ball wasn't out the line. Like, BIN technology showed it. 
you've seen it multiple times. It depends on the angle. And they looked at it very closely. And you can look at, like, for example, the ball can look at an angle from the side and it's out. But you look from the top and it looks it's way in. And BIN Sports confirmed it with their technology that the ball was in. No, no. Fair? Did you watch the video or just get the yeah. screenshot? I watched the video. In fact, even I the demo- you- yeah. I demonstrated. They're laughing the- at the video because it doesn't show anything. I you know. I I saw the the, the and I demonstrated because we saw in the World Cup a similar event like that, and the ball looked out completely. But when they played it and they looked at it, thank God in the World Cup, they just need to invest in technology. Premier League has to invest in better technology. And I don't know what's wrong with Premier League not to accept changes in terms of the referee. They're always this. They're always late. We had that with FIFA, goal line technology. People for, for many years about goal line technology. Just a simple goal line technology. And they refuse for that change. I think the goal was a goal because I think when the cross even came in, was that a foul? I think you have to give benefit of the doubt. Like you have to be hundred percent sure that it is a foul. Hundred percent sure. Like if you have to ask hundred people, is this a foul? I'll say fifty percent will probably say yes. Fifty percent will, will say no. And that means it's not clear. And hate Arsenal. And I I think that was a goal, you know. And I think the thing is, Arsenal did not create any chances to win the game, so they can't complain. They had one shot on target. No, sorry, sorry. That's that's not what it's about. Bollocks, though. (laughs) That's bollocks. You can't say Arsenal deserved to draw, so we should have lost. Like, just because we didn't create enough during the 70 minutes before the goal doesn't mean a goal should be unjustly given. Uh, Before I offer my take, Hamza, do you agree with Arteta? Because you actually said about the Premier League not accepting change. Do you agree with Arteta? making a big thing of it and then the club backing him up? Or do you think we're wrong for that? I think it's happened too many times. You're you're right that there should be a change. But I think Ateta was complaining here. And then two weeks before when Liverpool had that decision, he was asked a similar thing and he said, listen, we have to accept decisions. And now he's a victim. He now plays to be, he's in the wrong. You're either in the wrong and you back people from the beginning and I, I said it from the beginning when I had an example when Huang should have been sent off on three occasions and I spoke to all the rival fans all they said no you lost against Wolves it doesn't matter but that is a guy that scored the goal that that's the reason why we lost the game and and I was hurt with that but when people didn't back me I think and they didn't back Liverpool and then when it happens to them this is the reason because it's a competition people are not going to back you and I think yes there should be a change but we can't cry for Arsenal because when Liverpool are crying, everyone said, no, stop crying. And you're playing victims all, all the time. And when people complain about Man City, people say, oh, no, you guys are, are crying. You just fair. You just have to accept it. So I do agree with Ateta, but he has to accept, listen, it's happened to every team. And it will happen. Yeah, it's some I, things you get, sometimes you lose. And that's part of the game. And I totally understand that because like it's like any other like workspace. Like everyone's just looking out for their own interests. And um yeah, like there's there's no reason for Arteta to, you know, cry cry for Liverpool because it's not in his interest to do so. It's it's not. He will he'll only do it if it's for Arsenal, which is I know it's cynical, but that's just how it is because they're fighting for they're fighting for points here. They're they're fighting for like millions of pounds here. So like sure we all want like changes to you know come into the thing but it's not going to happen until like everybody you know like really unifies and i think like tribalism is 
killing the whole thing. So that, that goes against what you just said. You yeah. said we need everybody to unify. Yeah, we need, but that's not going to happen. It's just not realistic. That's just not going to happen, though. Like, do, you, do you think there, there will be a point where like all the big six teams will get together like and, you know, to like put a, jo- put a joint statement or something like that? No. The, well, the thing chance. is, you have Arteta, of, Arteta and Arsenal are fuming. Liverpool are fuming. That's mm-hmm. two of the big mm-hmm. six teams already. Um, it only takes one more to start getting everyone potentially moving and you know we're going to yeah so so, what, so what's going to end up happening is that every, all the all the 20 teams in the league are going to have a decision go against them and that's how they're going to join the club that's stupid but every, every team has had a decision go against them apart from newcastle apart from newcastle no but yeah sure then then make a fuss about it make it make make it bigger than it is but they're not going to do well, what okay so what what were you saying and i will fight i will go through your twitter in a second what were you saying when liverpool put a statement out who me yeah i didn't say a thing because i don't care enough. i say i defended i defended liverpool <laughs> i backed liverpool also did you well, not laugh because spurs got robbed uh sorry liverpool got robbed against spurs maybe i did but that was more to do with my fantasy points because <laughs> I had at, t- at the time I had Luis Diaz in my team. Maybe this is why Arteta is rattled. Arteta had Gabriel in his FPL and <laughs> didn't actually care about the points. Honestly, I couldn't care less. Also, can I just um, say before we move on, it's not just the goal that we're annoyed about. It's the fact that Jorginho got elbowed in the back of the head. It's one of the most blatant ridiculous. red cards I've seen this season because. With a challenge, obviously, there's like an, an amount of force, there's a level of contact, there's all these different tangibles that you can measure and say, and you have to work out, right, is that enough? There's no excuse, there's no reason for Bruno to just straight forearm Georgina in the back of the head. So as soon as you do that, a little bit like when Rodri grabbed, um, I can't remember who it was, by the neck. It doesn't matter really how much force there is. As soon as you go to do the act, it's forbidden in football, you get sent off. So the fact that he looks at Jorginho's back of his head and claps him like that, it's baffling that VAR sees that and decides to ignore it because of the occasion, because it's whatever, but that doesn't make sense to me. Also, regarding yeah, the goal... They, they, go on. Go on, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they do this all the time. Like They have this little like switch and they decide what match... Uh, uh, gives what fouls and what what which is wrong, give. yeah, like, it's that, wrong. It's just so wrong. Like if this same foul happens in like a like a three p.m. kickoff, no one cares about. They'll give a red card straight away because the match is not all that. But because it's like Newcastle, because tackles were already flying in, and they don't want to ruin the game. They don't want to exactly. ruin the game. Exactly, they don't want to ruin the spectacle. That's why you're like you, you're not even allowed to do that in rugby or any other in contact. UFC. Like any other you're not allowed to UFC, brother. I agree with you in that point, but if you look at the game as well before that, like that guy Havertz, that lunch was a dangerous lunch. Like literally, the guy is lucky yeah. to have jumped out of that tackle bit. And he, if, he, if he goes slightly forward, that's a leg breaker. Straight. Straight. Yeah, so if and if he went in with his, if it, if I, the tackle went in with his leading leg, yeah. If my grandmother had a real I think he didn't catch bike. it. He's lucky he didn't yeah, catch exactly. it. Well, he didn't. But that was a red, that could have yeah, been lucky. Hamza, after Hamza, that, I still think he, I still think that, he could have been sent off. Even even with the amount of contact, I still think he could have easily been sent off for that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that that Havertz thing could could necessarily have been wrong. The Jorginho, the Bruno thing was wrong. The goal, I believe, was wrong because whether it went out or not, they don't know. 
Why was the goal wrong? Well, there's, there's, three, there's three different things. One, the B in sports proved nothing because this, the width of that line made no sense. And I don't believe that they can all of a sudden... How, how can they negate the camera angle and all of a sudden have a, have a head-on view? I don't believe that. Um, I understand that if they don't have the technology to be able to see that, then they can't, they can't re-referee it. So I'm not blaming them for getting that wrong. It is just the case that we don't have the technology in this sport when there are millions and millions of pounds that go into this league and we still can't have some laser technology on the lines. I don't understand that. Um, I also think it's a big problem because the linesman isn't going to give it in the first place because he needs VAR to help. And then VAR doesn't have the camera angles to help. So that's that's just completely been ignored. They're not able to referee that decision. Um, it was a push. And we don't know about the offside again. So another case where it could have been offside or not, the technology isn't there to help. But with all that in mind, and considering he's jumped on Gabriel's back with two arms, I'm absolutely baffled that it was given as a goal. And um, yeah, so it, it's there's three major talking points in that game that could have been wrong. And people are still turning around and going, how dare you question PGMOL? How dare you say that refereeing has to improve? Why, why is that a problem if there's and, such major that, flashpoints in the game? The word that... you said, the word you said could be wrong. It was, was it 100% could be? It's different to 100% you're definitely wrong. I believe, I, I believe there were two decisions. I believe there were two decisions that were wrong. The, I, the, um, the Bruno red card to me, there's absolutely no, yeah. I know it's not the same as the Liverpool where they forgot to draw the lines or whatever, but the Bruno decision, is the wrong decision. He's he's elbowed him in the head. I don't understand how he can come to any other conclusion apart from mm. that being a red card. That's negligence. That's incompetence. He's ignored it. I think beginning. I'm just gonna say quickly. I think when 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 Havertz made that tackle, that lunge was dangerous. And then afterwards, I'll be so angry if I was a Newcastle player. And when Newcastle players tried to protest, he gave four yellow cards immediately. And on top of that was Longstaff who had got injured. If I'm Longstaff. And you nearly broke my leg. I'll be so angry. And you have to justify why this guy is staying on the bench. But and he booked four Newcastle players straight away. And and then he booked Havertz. And I thought, hold on, that's not the same as Havertz, man. Havertz nearly broke that guy's leg. And you're booking that's not the same thing. And then afterwards, Havertz stayed. He made another two foul. He could have been sent off, and he got away with it. I think the thing is, it adds up. This kind of like little mistakes adds up. But you're right. There should be consistency. But that's not how, yeah, that, that's not and, how and the game no works. You can't get balances out. Yeah, it, there's no consistency. But I think that's what referees, I think that's what referees try to do. Though. Yeah, like, deep do. down, they're like, if they feel like they've messed up somewhere else, they'll favour the team down, like a bit later down the line in the match or something like that. I think there was a comment from Klattenberg, actually, um, where he was saying, because, oh, that basically what he said, because <clears throat> the Havers tackle, in his opinion, wasn't a red card. That's what he said. Fair enough. You can say that. But then he was like, then he said, I think the referee didn't give any more red cards or didn't call for any, any more fouls for Newcastle to not anger the Newcastle players further. Which, because that's, I, I generally think that's how, that's how referees think. 
when they're in the stadium, that's how they think. That's just it's just human nature to think like that. Don't spoil or let me game. not piss off these guys even more. Yeah, don't spoil the game. Because it was a, yeah. it's a big game. because yeah, it takes yeah. one little thing. And that's why game. that's why we have VAR there to take the emotion out of the game. Because there's it's three guys sitting in a box a thousand miles away in Stockley Park or wherever it is. So they should be able to differentiate and take themselves out from that, from the heat of that game and make a decision that's, you know, completely clear of any any bias or any any incident that happened previously in the match. Because they don't, they're not in the game. I understand the referee folding, folding in a game. Because you know, there's like seventy thousand people screaming at you. There's twenty two other players coming at you. But the whole point of VAR was to able to take this thing out of that to you know take out the emotion from the thing, and to make a fair decision. And they don't, they just don't use VAR properly to do that. Because what they, what they're doing VAR, is just they're empowering the on-field referee, which makes no sense. It just makes no sense to me. So like. Yeah, if I'm gonna explode if I say anything more. Hey, we want you to explode. That's why you're invited today. <laughs> yeah, the whole. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, on this point, I I'll give my opinion. I thought um, there was a foul on Gabriel because I thought Joe Linton had both his hands in his back. I thought the Kai Havertz thing was um, could have been a red card on another day, but I also think I've seen so many of those tackles, and they normally are yellow cards. I think Bruno Guimaraes was a red card, but I think there was also, I think Kai, because he, he got a yellow, should have got a second mm. yellow, because one of his other fouls was definitely a foul. So I think there's, like James said, and Hamza mm. uh, as well, there's like three dip- massive decisions in the game that, in my opinion, are wrong. And I think even if it's 50-50, 50% of people think your decision is wrong, then you've got a big problem. Yeah, I, I, If it was like Arsenal fans were saying... Gabriel's is a foul and a little pool of other people said the one on Gabriel was a foul then I'm saying okay yeah maybe it's just Arsenal fans but it's like okay fine then there's Bruno Guimaraes there's Manchester United fans saying that's a red card there's Chelsea fans saying that's a red card there's Wolves fans saying that's a red card there's people going my team got a red card for something less than the week before the consistency is a massive issue which is where I'm going to go hold next hold on hold on um, before we move on, on. I'm sure Raf and myself have a bone to pick with you for saying that Xhaka would have changed the game. Hmm. Oh, I think you would have. Nah. What? Nah, How nah. does he change the game? Xhaka changes <laughs> you, bitch. Xhaka <laughs> changes where Arsenal are right now because when we and Raf spoke about this in DMs, your left-sided eight position is still not fixed. And the the reason it's not fixed is because you thought you were upgrading from Xhaka to somewhere else. So oh, whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, 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 and yeah. who who I would you have taken what? out midfield that game? Because I, I think I mean, our midfield did quite well <laughs> in the in the match. But your midfield barely got the ball into forward areas, apart from Rice. Yeah, because they packed. Because you, you pack take Kai Havertz out and you put Xhaka in, the game's completely different. Yeah, because Newcastle clogged their midfield. It's not like it's just not possible to go through that. No, midfield. but you're. But so I, you're I don't see. I don't me, see how Xhaka gets through that midfield. But okay, so but are you telling me if Shaka plays instead of Kai Havertz in this game, Rice plays the other side? Yeah, it doesn't make a difference to the game. I mean, first of all, Havertz was kind of playing as a second striker in the whole match. I think that's yeah. What, yeah. yeah. I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying, swap 
Um, Jacqueline for Kai Havertz, you think the you results are the same? Th- th- those profiles don't work, or you, unless. Yeah, but they worked last season. No, 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 no. Unless you, you played know, Rice dynamic. as number six. I'm playing Rice as the other side, basically. So you change your midfield three. So I would have played Rice as a six. I think that's already a problem, but that's something. Yeah, but, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, but if Rice played as a six, then who are you playing? You'd have to play um, Vieira and Havertz in midfield, and that's light. Or well, that's why we have Xhaka. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, so you want to so in the Rice, Xhaka, Havertz? Yeah. I, I don't see how that makes any difference. Well, it definitely did because last season your left side actually had some fluidity. Hamza, you're the neutral on yeah. this, <laughs> and he's actually a neutral because this is my. Losing shackles is a big blow to them. It's a, it's. I can tell. I can see that the, the way progressing the ball forward. It's a big blow because we didn't replace him properly. Had we got it's Lucas? Had we got Paqueta? We wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, but this is my point. You didn't get Paqueta. You replaced Xhaka poorly, so therefore Xhaka. So it doesn't mean I have, it doesn't mean we need to prop up Xhaka because like Xhaka was doing a great job, good good of him, but we should have got a better player. So the the question that's, is that's the exact point I'm making. You didn't, and therefore Xhaka, not having Xhaka, you're weak. Makes the difference. You look weaker. Without you Xhaka. said no, no, no. Let let me let me rewind. You said Xhaka would have changed that game. You said the outcome of that game would have been different with Xhaka. That I don't. I don't yeah, it would have been. Nah, absolutely. that's not true. Because he didn't true. create any chances, and there's no one who's driving the ball forward. You guys had one shot on target because there's no connection between midfield um, and attack. Yeah, because yeah, Odegaard wasn't playing. So like... And and even with Odegaard, I can see there's no fluidity like compared to like there was and, balance. And Jesus, had we got Jesus up front? Yeah, but then we're talking about if this guy was fit and that guy, yeah, you're no, asking no, no. me direct. But Ham, Hamza Xhaka just thing. said that we didn't create any chances because Xhaka wasn't there. Stick Xhaka in to a midfield with Xhaka, Havertz and Niketi up front. We're still not creating any more chances. The chance you're creation... you creating more largely... chances because your left, your, your left side in this game was give it to Martelli, can you take on your fullback? Last season, Xhaka makes the run inside that space, which allows space for other players. At the moment, there's no space for your wingers because you don't have midfielders running beyond. Xhaka did that job to an unbelievable level last season. And so now when the ball goes to Martinelli, people are going, he got locked off. It's not his fault. Trippier's only got one job. Only one person he's got to keep his eye on. And then same for Livermento. He's just got to man Mark Martinelli, essentially. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, we're not talking about it so you can't be asked um, we've moved um, on from Jacka. we've moved on he's back, gone back to the refereeing situation the thing I was mentioning about inconsistency um, Hamza did you see the challenge obviously you saw the challenge from Hoyland on Rodri mm, right yeah did you see the challenge on Van Dyke in the Luton game uh, yeah yeah I saw that so before anyone says this is a Liverpool hat, and that's what James said a minute ago, I'm just comparing the inconsistency. The Hoyland one on Rodri, in my eyes, was an arm out, and it's a foul. I think it's a foul. The Van Dyke one is a much more sturdy arm out. Um, I What I don't understand is how one is a pen and the other one isn't. Um, Hamza, you obviously support City, so I'm, go- I'm assuming when the Hoyland challenge happened you thought it was a pen the uh, Hoyland one you could tell you're like ah, he was making that run to the box and you basically disrupt his run because that and they looked at it closely they thought where where was the ball gonna land and it was roughly gonna land on his side just need his side so he obstructs him going towards that ball that's the key thing 
in this 2023, 2020, 2010, that's not far. 2023 now, mm. it's looked at very strongly, especially especially if it's a big game like that, United City, yeah, when it's a big game. So the expect decision has to be right, yeah. So the game does matter. Big games like that, they have to referee very, very closely. So I think looking at that, I thought, Hoyland, you've made a, a not a smart challenge and he got penalised. And I think if you had to ask many people, people would have said, yep, that's a foul. Outside the box, that's a foul. Outside the box... If it's I did not, that, that you run and you drug me. That's a foul. Basically, no, basically. I think you have I think the ref has to give it as soon as Rodri goes down, but Rodri has effectively conned everyone on the pitch there. So a ref has every right to say, actually, you know what, the contact isn't sufficient for him to go down. Um Rodri's just a winner. He's just a very good footballer. And then as soon as he feels contact there, he knows that as soon as Hoyland's naive and sticks his arm out, that he can go down. Um, I say it all the time, basically the best players in football know how to win games. Um, Ronaldo, Neymar, Messi, these guys always... Messi less, less so, he's he's almost an exception with that, but they know how to win fouls. And um, when when you have to, when you have to get a penalty to win a football game, that's, that's what you do. Um, but I'd say 90% of footballers don't go down in that situation because there wasn't a lot of contact. But then as well, soon as he does, also, VAR just looks at arm and then looks at player running and thinks, right, he's dragging when that down. Cross, when that cross was coming in, was that if Rodri didn't get fouled, was he ever getting to that ball? Yeah, most likely. So. Most yeah, likely. Okay, so then, they looked at it. They looked at it. They had to replay. They saw the ball. Where was he going towards? And it was going towards Rodri. And that's what had The thing it. is... Okay, so... So Hamza, you're saying that one was a foul, and you think that's a pen. Yeah. So, but then it sounds like you're think you're saying the Van Dyke one wasn't. Was a foul. Van Dyke making that similar run, like into the box, or was he just being held? Yeah, he was. He, no, he was on like the edge of the box, and as he started running towards the box, my man rugby tackled him. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's that's another. Watch the clip. Play, play, play the look. Big Van Dyke getting rugby tackled like that. Yeah. No, but then Rodri's a big guy as well, and Hoyland's not that big. Yeah. What? So... What? <laughs> what? No. That is such waffle. No, I'm comparing. Look at the guy who fouled uh, Van Dyke. No, 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 no. You, what you just said, you said Rodri's a big guy and Hoyland's not that big. Hoyland is bigger than Rodri. Hoyland's not bigger yes, than Rodri. Yes, he is. He is. Are you, are you saying height or size? Size. Size. All right, let's have a look. Watch Hoyland scrapping with Gabriel. Hoyland's massive. That's a Gabrielle issue, not a... Gabrielle's six a, foot four. Uh, and also, don't, yeah. don't, I'm leaving if you start speaking on my friend Gabrielle. We're not going to speak about any more Arsenal stuff. Right, Rodri is Rodri is uh, 83 kilos. And height-wise, yeah, Rodri is I have is a problem. Before you no, even no, no. look, I have a problem with this. Because with young players, because they're still developing, it's often out of date. Okay, but there is... All right, okay, All right. Give, give me the numbers anyway. Give me the numbers anyway. Um, Hoyland is 79 kilos, so he's four kilos lighter, first of all. Mm. 6'2", so he's an inch shorter, and he's four kilos lighter. And to the point of what we're saying, you're saying Hoyland's bigger than Rodri. Statistically speaking, he is not bigger than Rodri. No, well, he's the same size. It's negligible. Anyway, that's beside the point. Hoyland puts his arm out to foul Rodri, yeah? Van Dyke, the guy, grapples him. And the point you said was, big Van Dyke going down. If... I grappled you despite the size difference between me and you. You are going down. Was, was it a corner? Was it a corner as well? 
It's a corner, that yeah, yeah. Corner. And then that led to the goal. It was a foul. See, the, no. How come uh, they, no, no, no. Okay, how come then they didn't come? How come Liverpool haven't complained about that? Uh, I think, actually, to be fair, after the game, Klopp was, the first question was about Luis Diaz. And so he was talking about Luis Diaz and his dad. I don't think he's then going to go, by the way, Van Dyke was being scumbag. <laughs> it was a very, like, sentimental moment around his dad. So um, I think whoever asked the question knew there might be something coming his way. So we went with the Luis Regardless, Diaz neither of them were penalties. So, but I'm, but I'm fine with that. But I'm saying if you give Hoyland a penalty, then that this one's definitely a penalty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, again, again, it's the inconsistency that what we're, that we're complaining about. Inconsistency, yeah. James Van Dyke's isn't a penalty. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Neither of them are penalties. Okay, but I'm saying Hoyland's penalty is given. Is Van Dyke's a penalty? No, because neither of them are. I see. I see what you're saying, and also I still don't agree. I still don't agree because I watched Van Dyke's and it wasn't as clear cut. It it was that the Hoyland Rodri one was very isolated, whereas Van Dyke's a lot less obvious. obvious. There's, it's just kind of a scrap in the middle of the box. Also, what I want to say is the problem with this whole contact thing is either you do what you did in the 2018 World Cup and basically say any grabbing in the box is a penalty, which I think is healthy for the sport because it's a lot easier to ref because you can basically very clearly see, right, you're grabbing him, that's a penalty. And it will lead to more goals because players will be able to score headers like England were in the World Cup. Um or you have to set the bar higher and say, unless he tears you down, it's not a penalty for either. But the problem is, as we keep going on about, there's no consistency. And that is the big problem. Mm. I think the inconsistency. Amen. Thank you, Dermot Gallagher, for your uh, thoughts there. <laughs> He's got shape, shape um, a little bit. Uh, he is uh, free, so. Yeah, true say. Shit one, clearly. <laughs> 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 Hamza, are you watching the Van Dyke one again now? I'm watching. I just watched it now and he stopped. Yeah, I can see they stopped him. They stopped him making that run. And that could have been a header. Right. See, that's inconsistency. And, and you're right. That That's not fair sometimes. Like, decisions like that Charge should it. be made more consistent. And I, I don't know why Premier League, they should, they have to look into their refereeing this next season. Like, there has to be three things. I think one, there has to be goal line, te- that technology about that on the line has to be made. It's simple. It's simple. Look at look at the Champions League. They've got fantastic technology. And it's only once a week. They invest, mm. And this is supposed to be the best league in the world with the investment that they've got. And I think, I think the, prop, the problem also might be is there just, there just might not be enough good referees to go around. Mm. <laughs> but, but <that's laughs> you get VAR. That's why you got VAR. So it's, in, it's important to get... More people they don't, I don't they know, don't use it properly. Yeah, I don't know who they get as VR. Is it just a random like? Are the other referees that are part of the VR? It's basically it's the same. It's the same Premier League referees, and they kind of rotate. They have it in oh, like right, rotations. Right. Yeah, like, it'll be like Michael Oliver sitting in VAR one day, and then it's someone else the other day. You normally know as soon as it. Yeah, you normally know as soon as it goes to VAR, it's a penalty. Yeah, it's being awarded as a penalty if something's happened in the box. As soon as they say that VAR, you know the referee is going to give you or something. So I think. You know what I actually can't wait for? Mm. I think the next evolution in football is like VAR specific referees. There's like, there's going to be like VAR training. You know how there's like all these levels of referee, like stuff you have to do to become an actual referee? I think the next evolution is football, in football is to make, like, have that similar thing. Or similar route pathway for like to become a one, VAR. One of the reasons that's important is because it will mean the refs aren't chums with the VAR guys. 
Exactly. The fact that they're pally yeah. with each other means they're not willing mm. to Mike Dean said it. Mike Dean said, Oh, he's I think it was Mike Dean said, Oh, he's he's not giving it because he doesn't want to embarrass his mate, which is yeah. outrageous <sighs> the fact that people have heard that and just glossed over it. It's like that's that's not refereeing. That's that's trying to do your mate a favour. I, I, I want the actual referees and the VAR team to hate each other. So I, <laughs> don't don't be friends. Hate each other. Well, he just goes, oh, mate, it's a penalty. And then you ref idiot, gives it's it. a penalty. Give it, yeah, yeah and then the ref gives it and then turns around. Oh, it wasn't a penalty. You're just going to make the ref look stupid. Uh, um, no more ref talk. Uh, Hamza, I saw you... Hyping up uh, Project Doku. I do want to talk about it because I think did he get four assists and a goal against Bournemouth? Can, well, hold on. Before Hamza goes, this there's a caveat to these four assists because I feel like James thinks his name's Hamza today. Anytime I go Hamza, James goes before Hamza no, says anything. Gonna... <laughs> let me speak on this. He's gonna gas up Doku, and rightly so because he's an incredible footballer. But four assists, they're putting him in with oh. names like Bergkamp, Özil, Kozola, etc. One of them, he did just boot the ball against Ake. It's not really an assist in my eyes, but continue. They did what? Who compared him to who? No, 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 no. no. Only players you've had four assists in a game. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Doku, what a signing Man City have made. Like, for that price that we got, it's like a gem. He's only 21 years old. He he normally takes, like, players time to, to gel into this league. We've seen Havertz, he's been in this league, they've made a signing and he's not done it. And he's been here for how many years? Three, four years. This guy is 21 years old, he's coming from a different league, not a top team, has come in, excelled. And one thing that amazes me about him is his confidence. Like to come to a Pep Guard, a team that's won a treble, and just to say, give me the ball, I'm, I, I can dribble, I can, I can go past these players. And he's got the confidence. And you know what? He can beat you right, he can beat you left, and he was impressive. He showed every defender he's played against like this season, except when he had to be benched again. Let's not talk about Ben White's issue. Uh, any other manager, any other... <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal fans are going to say that Ben White not made whatever it is. The West Ham one, he was impressive. Oh, I, so uh, I think Leipzig was outstanding when he came on. He was brilliant against yesterday again. He was brilliant against, against Brighton. He killed Brighton, that side. And and he's so impressive to have had four assists in one game at the age of twenty one. That's never happened before. He's the youngest player to have had Three. four assists. You... Four assists. Three. Youngest player. Three. No, he's had four assists. <laughs> one of them just hit a bloke. The last time you were on a pod, we had this discussion about potentially City being weaker. And then I just saw your tweet saying, I'll read your tweet out to you. Hold on. Because I was like, I swear I saw you tweet something about City this weekend. I saw you about that. I'm uh, not like Hamza to be reactionary. Tom and Jerry, <laughs> when he was mixing stuff and all that stuff, and he was mixing stuff. And I said, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, literally, that is the tweet. Uh, it's Pep Guardiola was cooking something special in 2023 24 season, and rivals said, We are weak. Project Doku. And it's literally a meme of Tom pouring poison and stuff into a bowl <laughs> from Tom and Jerry and it's sparking up. Um, please explain this tweet to us, Hamza. Listen, I thought, <laughs> listen, rival said we're weaker. I thought we're weaker, definitely. But what Pep was cooking is absolutely impressive. Like, to have lost Mares, Mares, and I'm looking at Mares, what a player he is. It's, he, he's irreplaceable, I think. And to replace him with a young player like Doku, it's so hard to get a winger 
who drives the ball forward. And he's had an impressive already campaign already. So yeah, what yeah, I've no, seen, what he's already, what Pep has already got so far this season with a team already, I'm thinking I'm supposed to be weaker. And and you're right, I'm weaker. I, I, I accept that I'm weaker. But already Pep is already starting a new project again. And I call it Project Doku because Doku is the defining guy that this season. Last year was Haaland. This year is Doku. Like, Doku's the guy who's showing bits at Man City. He's the name. Him and Alvarez are the guys that are, are showing bits and no one else. And for a youngster, especially the goal that he scored, the one he chipped, and I thought he curled it. Like, mm. It kind of like a chip curl. And I thought, wow, that's technical ability. That was a bit of a scarfy shot. And to play one, two, <laughs> and to go in the box and chip. And and even, I think, that was impressive. And, and I think this season... That's why Grealish has improved. And we've had that season where the reason why Edison has improved, Ortega's put him on his toes. Grealish already looks to improve last, last game against United because Doku's there. Doku's saying, you play bad, Pep's going to play me. So we're even confused. City are having this fantastic competition where we don't know who's going to start. But we, we appreciate to have Grealish and Doku both on the left. That's such a great team. That that's why I have to give credit to Man City. We're cooking something special. I think Man City probably needed someone like Doku to come in and to like, you know, because I think you haven't had someone like that since probably since like Sterling left. You know, a guy I mean, who yeah. just Sonny like, and Sterling. Yeah, t- Sonny and Sterling, who just he's there to take on defenders and to you know to make them uneasy and all that kind of stuff. Because a lot of what Man City did last season, obviously you guys won the treble, but it kind of felt like you just like circulated the ball back and forwards, looked for a bit of space, passed it into Haaland. Whereas now you found a different route where you got this guy Doku just beating three defenders. Because why not? So yeah, so that's that's definitely I think that's a good signing for you, and it's probably gonna and defenders are scared of you. And you know if except yeah mm. yeah Chris Metham. He's a, he got he's a twitchy footballer, and I love a twitchy footballer, if you know them ones. And I love his celebration, man. That gritty, some people have um, named him Baby He bought the gritty back. Some, some people have already named him Baby Ronaldinho. They're like, the way he takes some <laughs> like, Oh, wow. I said, calm down. And, and on that note, and on that <laughs> note, <laughs> I right, and on that we're note, we have gone too far. We're at the one-hour um, mark. We can call it quits now. Yeah, yeah. We we will talk about Jude at some point. It is very much overdue, but not on this episode. I think we might have to do a Jude specific episode at some point. He um, deserves that. He deserves that. He's been unbelievable. Uh, we had a lot of upset conversation in between this referees, but for those listening, everything is happy now. Doku is flying, and Pep Guardiola is cooking something according to Hamza. What I find fascinating, by the way, is we spent. 10 episodes of this season talking about how City aren't quite right and the three points clear at the top of the league. It's very annoying, <laughs> but it is Man City. Um, this has been recorded, by the way, before Spurs-Chelsea. So if something miraculous happens in the Spurs-Chelsea game, I apologise if we've missed it, but I doubt it will. It's always a good game, but I doubt just, anything. Just final correction, uh, they're one point ahead in the league because there are this um, small team uh, from the north of London called Tottenham Hotspur. I apologise Tottenham fans I wasn't even I literally ignored the team second and just went to the team third I apologise um, I did that for James and Raf to cheer him up because they've both been depressed this episode uh, for those of you listening thank you very much for listening um, as I say if you happen to pop by any of the billboards and uh, tweet them 
Instagram, TikTok, and we will be there on Saturday, no matter what. Uh, Hamza, thank you for hopping in. Raf, James, pleasure as always. And we'll see you next time.